early signs of kidney disease. You might develop poor appetite, have some dry skin. It might be very shiny, like in the shin area. Frequent urination is one of them. Fatigue, difficult concentration, and puffy Ooh, eyes. I gotta go. I've been working, told them please don't hit my phone. I'm in my zone, bro. Just leave me alone. Was on the road, but I swear I'm coming home. Now the drinks on me, I think we need a toast. See, I did it for me. Now my old friends calling, told them nothing's for free. Told me time is money, dog. Swear I paid on my fees. I was starving for this day. Now my fan, they can't eat. It can be tough to transition from a student to a professional nurse. I remember when I passed my NCLEX and started my first job, I noticed a lot of differences in clinical versus bedside. That is exactly why we want to tell you about the nurse residency program with HCA Healthcare. HCA Healthcare's nurse residency program supports newly graduating nursing students at the early stage of their careers, develop critical thinking skills through hands-on clinical experience with the help from a strong community of nurses. Plus, nursing residents get access to a range of opportunities to learn from, from specialties in various areas such as ER, critical care, and surgical services. Not only that, HCA Healthcare's nurse residency program comes with other great benefits like tuition reimbursement, student loan assistance, and a 401k match. Build a foundation for your career at any of the HCA Healthcare's 184 hospitals across 19 states. Students who are preparing to graduate and recent grads are eligible to apply to the nurse residency program by visiting careers.hcahealthcare.com residency. Again, that's careers.hcahealthcare.com slash residency. Welcome, everyone, to the Couple Nurse Podcast. Today, we have the couple news for you with your hosts, Matt and myself, Peter. Firstly, if you guys are enjoying us in our video platform, Spotify and YouTube, you can check out our new March launch shirts. Matt's wearing the uh, Couple Nurses launch number one, you could say. And I got the, uh, the number two over here. For all y'all watch us on YouTube and Spotify. That looks smexy. Mm, looks smexy. That new word right there. Added to the ur- Urban Dictionary right there. But these both these shirts are available at couplenurses.shop. We also have couplenurses.com, which houses all of our show notes, our videos, our blog posts, everything couple nurse related is going to be on couplenurses.com. We also have a sister site, frontlinewarriorsclub.com as well, which also houses some merch there, some more conscious merch based on some pillars that we have five main pillars on that site and that's for more of our uh, conscious viewers you could say we have blog posts about there about wellness mindfulness just trying to improve yourself physically mentally holistically and spiritually we also have a project they're working on uh, launching here shortly called pronto feel free to check it out at prontohealth.com and this is something that's that, that we're working on that's uh, being created to innovate and revolutionize how the healthy professional looks for jobs, compares jobs, finds jobs uh, for travelers, for staff members, anybody really that's trying to maybe find a different unit or find a different career somewhere else that's going to be geared towards you um, with also some other beneficial stuff on there. But like I said, today's a couple of news. Matt, what you got for us? In today's episode, we're going to talk about kidney health in the honor of the national kidney month we're going to talk about kidney health and the guide to protecting your kidneys from different disease processes covered on the show jam-packed episode it's going to like 
go th- go back to back with the heart one that we did and blood this is another jam-packed pathophys anatomy episode yeah, and for you, those who don't that don't know kidneys they're your filters of your body i basically they basically pull out all the chemicals and some excess water that's traveling in, in your blood vessels it they, you have two of them uh on your the the rear of your back you could or at the back on each side uh, right by your ribs right by your right exactly right by your ribs and um that's where your kidneys are that's why sometimes when you get punched over there or poked over there it kind of hurts a little bit more because sometimes that's putting a little bit of a pressure on the kidneys so you, you might feel it there but in a hospital working in the icu for all these years we we see majority of our patients have either heart disease or kidney disease or or, or both uh the I would say the probably most common things to fail as you age, I would say, is the heart and, and the kidneys. Probably the the primary ones, and then maybe like your liver, your pancreas, and so on and so forth. But renal disease and heart disease are probably the two top things we see in, in the ICU and overall in the hospital, I feel like. Yeah, especially looking at the statistics here, one in three American adults are the risk of developing kidney disease, and that's over 37 million Americans. So it's really important to understand its crucial role and making sure your habits and lifestyle are aligned with that. Uh, The kidneys are more than just filtering fluids and waste product to create urine. They also are key uh, producers of different hormones that regulate the the balance of your fluids. They remove drugs. They release hormones that uh, activate vitamin D that promotes strong, healthy bones. Uh, they produce red blood cells or the key hormones that control the production of them. You mm-hmm. can develop anemia. So there's so many things. And balancing sodium, phosphorus, potassium, you need a good pair of kidneys. Kidneys are so important. You're born with two of them. And that just kind of shows you how important that is. That And what's also a cool effect, not kidney-related, but the liver, the liver does, um, does regenerate and does, you could say, regrow and can reach its almost max full potential if something happens to it. But kidneys, you have two of them. Um, unfortunately, the kidneys don't have such a good regeneration rate as as the liver. So when they tend to get get um, diseased or overworked, or you slowly start getting those kidney failures or those chronic kidney diseases, it's really hard to get that function back. And not many not many people people do. So there's not much options for for people that have severe kidney disease besides like a transplant. Same with the heart. Like if something happens to the heart that's really severe, there's not a whole lot you could do besides maybe. Give you give you supportive measures or give you a new heart. Same with the kidneys, with the lungs as well. Liver, you have a little bit of leeway because it does regenerate itself, and it, and you could remove part of it. It's really if it's really necrotic or really damaged, uh, you can remove part of it, and you can still have have the, a very functionable liver. If functionable is, is a word, but for kidneys, you have two of them. You could live with one kidney. Technically, all you need is is one, but of course, that's going to impact still impact your ability to filter out uh, these these toxins and fluid out of your blood. It also blew my mind how there are certain patients that get an ultrasound because they have a high creatinine and they find out they have only one kidney and they've been living with this one kidney for their whole entire lives. Damn. But jumping into some kidney function, so the smallest functioning unit of a, the kidney itself, the organ, is called a nephron. And there's about one million nephrons in each kidney. What happens is there's tiny blood vessels around this nephron called the glomerulus, which is attached to a tubule. Um, so in the filtration process, uh, blood enters through the glomerulus, gets filtered out, and the remaining of the product gets filtered through the tubule. So whatever the 
glamorous collect that gets either absorbed or reabsorbed based on your uh, chemical needs. And the final product that gets filtered out is urine. Mm -hmm. And a fun fact is that our kidneys filter 200 quarts of blood each day. And out of those 200 quarts, 198 quarts get put back into, into the body. Two quarts is produced as this waste product. So that's damn efficient for what it does. And that's why when you drink alcohol, you get dehydrated because you uh, lose the antidiuretic hormone functionality and your body just starts pissing out. And you hear the term breaking the seal. There's technically no such thing. You, gra you grab uh, alcohol, you drink it. It's only a matter of time before that uh, antidiuretic hormone stops working and just wasting your water away. Yep, 100%. Uh, there's eight problems kidney disease can cause. Uh, the first one we want to go over here is is heart disease. That's probably the, the major one. So when your blood isn't being filtered properly or filtered enough, what your body does to kind of respond to that, that poor filtration rate is it increases your blood pressure to push more blood into the kidney so that it could filter, you could say, more blood at a, a given time. And of course, that's a temporary solution because, yeah, it's going to clear out that, that blood a little bit more effectively. But since those kidneys are already damaged, it's just leading to inevitable about uh, leading to the inevitable, and that's kidney failure. So it's a it's like a short term solution and a long term problem. It's going to work short term wise, but eventually the kidneys aren't going to be able to keep up, and they keep failing, which then tells your body to pump more blood, and then your heart gets gets uh, some strain on it, and it causes heart failure, and it causes heart damage, and it's a vicious cycle. So heart disease could cause renal disease, and at the same time, renal disease could cause heart disease because we know that we're not just a bunch of moving parts we're a bunch of moving parts that all move together and and fluidly amongst one another it's not just like one system stays within itself each system affects another one so this is why some of these issues especially if we talk about heart disease lung disease any kind of respiratory disease kidney disease liver disease it's you're going to see kind of this repetition of you're also going to see heart disease you're also going to see this you're also going to see that because usually one thing causes another thing, but that same thing can also cause uh, the opposite thing as well. Yeah, the human body is very synergetic. Uh, and along with that, you might develop heart attacks or strokes because you're already at the risk of poor heart disease, not including high blood pressures and other problems that causes uh, kidney disease. Yeah, because eventually, like, eventually you're, you're, you're at a hypertensive state, but you obviously can't always be there, be at that state. So once you start developing like, any kind of heart disease or kidney issues, that's going to ultimately impact how efficient your blood flows throughout the body and it's going to throw your you could say like a pressure in your vessels out of whack because it's going to be pumping different pressures and it's going to lead to these these um, issues in coagulation where some places the clots are going to form more regularly more regularly than other places and you get into these issues of potential strokes and all that yeah another cause that uh, that, that causes a problem of kidney disease is weak bones so normally your kidneys are able to transform vitamin D to an active usable form. In this process, you cannot develop that, which causes weak bones. Uh, too much parathyroid hormone is then released to keep the calcium levels balanced in the blood. Mm. And by this happening, your bones become weaker because they get pulled from the bones. Mm. Another problem of that, um, of kidney damage. Uh, nerve damage is also one of these, these top eight ones you could see. Uh, the evidence on why it happens is a little bit still unclear, but people are speculating that it has something to do with dialysis, uh, leading to to uh, neuropathy pains and also a 
a decrease in, in muscle mass. They're saying something with the pressures of dialysis and how it uh, how it um, caused people to have maybe some mineral imbalances. And like it th- doesn't make sense, but if you're thinking about it, if you're having uh, dialysis, if you if you have poor renal disease, your 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 body isn't functioning as optimum, and it's not perfusing these distal places like your fingertips and your and your toes properly because there's always this imbalance of how much pressure should the body your body have on each, each vessel and each part of your body where it's it's these organs like these peripheral tissues like your fingertips and toes they have almost like an inconsistent amount of blood flow sometimes they get enough sometimes they they don't and so it's all due to your kidneys because your body is always going to push the most blood uh, to your vital organs so your kidney liver and all that stuff. That's why, like, when you when you're cold, your fingertips start to get cold because all that blood is kind of slowing down and getting circulated more closer proximities, like your liver, like your heart, and your lungs. That's why your fingers and toes are always cold first because your body puts them as less importance. Because you can live without any toes, you can live without any kind of fingers, but you can't live very very long without a liver or without a lung or without a pancreas, and uh, and so on and so forth. So I think it's more of like a the pressure issue than anything else. Yeah, with why it causes this nerve damage. Got me wondering about this equilibrium syndrome, mm-hmm. but that's more of a whole dialysis take on all the kidney stuff. Another problem with kidney disease is ESRD. So as you know, kidney failure, which leads to uh, getting dialysis, hemo, or peritoneal, and then you have anemia. So you're, when your kidneys are damaged, uh, they produce less erythropoietin EPO, and this is a hormone that signals the bone marrow, that spongy thing inside your bones, to actually produce red blood cells. Uh, so yeah, just breaking down this episode here, the kidneys do so much more than they just make urine, and we neglect that. Yeah, and it's crazy when you have somebody that has pretty bad kidneys, and a bad heart because you're always like like thinking are they fluid overloaded or do they need fluid because if they if they're still making urine it's it's interesting to look at because it's like a roller coaster of of urine one shift they have like 10 an hour and then next roller shift, coaster of yeah, urine you know it's so funny because sometimes they, they pee like barely any and then next shift you come in and they pee a bunch and then they become lasix dependent for a little bit and then you know, you wean off the sedation. Um, if the if they had a contract for a CT a couple of days prior, you know that gets filtered through, and now they're making more urine. And it's like, you know, now they're making all this urine. Should we ease up on these fluids? It's always like uh, trying to f- find a fine balance between uh, between like adding fluid to the patient and removing fluid to the patient because we could do both, and you can almost do it simultaneously. We have a lot of lot of ways to play play with the different pressure in your vessels and how much fluid actually goes into your vessels because like for lace example lasix is always going to pull fluid out of your vessels so it's going to make you pee or sorry it's going to push fluid into your vessel so it's going to make you pee albumin does the same thing it pulls fluid out of your tissues into your vessels and with the with the goal of having you pee and compared to giving you fluids then it we put fluids in your vessels so we can kind of uh, hold, you said albumin it. causes or it's given for it to pee Technically, you're not you're giving bringing, albumin to, not to urinate. Pee. Yeah, yeah. You're bringing, you're giving albumin to um, take fluid out of your tissues and put them into your blood vessels. Yes. Which technically, if, if they usually we give it to really sick, sick people, but when a normal patient gets albumin, they do tend to uh, to pee more because it pushes, takes that fluid out of their the tissues and brings it into the vessels. Yes. So it would make help helps osmotic pressure. Yeah. But we don't give it to people that you know are usually walking talking very often. Nephrologists play a crazy role in healthcare, mm. and they're definitely undervalued. And it's out of, out of it's, respect, like even when we were doing our 
um, fit test, they had that kidney model up there, and it's like crazy to look at how a, the kidney looks, and always reminds me of those um, those like crazy patterns. I forget what they're called. Like you know how there's like those numbers, those sacred numbers. There's like sacred geometry. Okay. That one's called sacred geometry. Like yeah. Those patterns. Yeah. How it. How that's if you have if you ever seen sacred geometry and you maybe cut the kidney in in half like the way where you could see the inside more transverse is it called transverse shot or something like that it always looks like there's like this cool geometry there and same with if you cut a heart it looks like there's some cool geometry there same with the lungs so it always uh blows my mind not to get off topic here what's sacred geometry the universe creates things mathematically like a sun like a what's that um like a sunflower sunflower it has its cool seeds yeah you can eat them and the kidneys definitely have been taking a hit with C19, how we try to keep these patients so dry and the creatinine is kind of riding pretty high, but we want them to have a higher creatinine. They, they have to be drier to help with ARDS. And sometimes the kidneys go with it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes C19 causes the kidneys to go because of the disease process or the lack of MAP and it causes a cascade of things. Yeah. And if you have kidney issues the whole blood pressure issues is wild sometimes we couldn't control patients uh blood pressure sometimes they're hypertensive all of a sudden you put a little bit of cardine or something they get um super hypotensive it's a crazy balance to play and the kidneys play such a bad role oh, but not to get off topic some risk factors of kidney disease and they'll go into the different uh disease processes uh five main pa- factors to look out for you have diabetes high blood pressure, heart disease, family history of kidney failure, diabetes, and obesity. Very common things that we've seen all the time in the workplace. Uh, that's a, just a cascade effect, especially diabetes. Usually people with hypertension, kidney disease that's underlying, or they come in that are severely sick into the ICU, underlying they probably have an elevated HbO1c. Yeah, what's very unfortunate being human is that there is a lot of risk factors for every with, for all these like top diseases like heart disease, lung disease, kidney disease, liver disease, all that stuff. But the crazy thing about it is like there's a high amount of risk factors, but these risk factors are the same when you look at all the diseases. Um, diet, exercise, proper nutrition, healthy lifestyle, decreasing stress. If you could nail all those, then your chances of gaining heart disease or any of these other diseases that, that we mentioned before isn't isn't all that high of course you gotta throw in the genetic genetic factor in there but you can't always blame it on genetics you gotta take responsibility for your own life too and you can't say that hey the reason i got a heart attack is because my uncle got a heart attack my dad got a heart attack his uncle got got a heart attack his dad got a heart attack but then you're also overweight so it's not so much that every, every male in your family had a heart attack it's that every male in your family has had obesity or diabetes or some kind of a heart issue that gave them this this MI you just um, I guess haven't realized it yet but there's always time to change definitely and additional risk factors are being over the age of 60 having a low birth weight taking NSAIDs because the kidneys filter it out such as ibuprofen naproxen uh, having UTIs having kidney stones lupus and other autoimmune disorders only lead to higher chances of developing the kidney disease. Mm. So some disease processes, the first one we have is CKD, chronic kidney disease, and that's defined as having abnormal markers of kidney function that leads to a decrease of kidney function of three months and more. 
so usually the main cause of CKD is hypertension, just like you explained the problems of that high blood pressure passing through these small little tubules, the small little capillaries. Uh, and ultimately what's happening is it is damaging the glomerulus. The glomerulus that we talked about that are encapsulated in, in these blood vessels and they get scarred and they get um, they get stopped working so well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what happens eventually is we put people on dialysis to do the same job that these glomerules are doing, these nephrons that were uh, damaged. And what happens is this, eventually this high blood pressure keeps on running through these little tubules it gets scarred it gets less elastic um what else do i have written here it slowly thickens causes scarring over time and eventually these nephrons begin to leak out Mm. so normally albumin the proteins they uh get filtered through now the leaks are so big that actually passes into the urine and when we do our tests or talk about tests a little bit later albumin is, is one of those um or protein in the urine is one of those key hallmarks of kidney issue. Yeah. Next one is glomerulonephritis. Uh, glomerulonephritis is an inflammation of the glomeruli causing damage to the filtering part of the kidney. It can occur from infections, drugs, or another disease such as lupus or diabetes. Some symptoms you can watch out for is pink or color colored urine, red blood cells in the urine, foamy urine, and also protein in the urine and fluid retention. This is more of like an acute kind of issue. That it's not like a like a chronic issue. Or you could say it's majority you could find glomerulonephritis due to some kind of infection. Most of the time, it's usually always due to infection, either like a really bad UTI that's just traveled up up the ureters and up that uh, up the kidneys and just damaged the the um, gl- glomeruli. If I can pronounce that right. But yeah, I've you're, seen you're it. You're doing it right, bro. I've seen it. Um, I think. I want to say like once or twice. I want to say once for sure. I can remember a second time. I'm not sure it was the same patient or not. But they had it and they had a really big, really bad UTI. And uh, it backed up all the way to to these uh, glomeruli. Bad stuff. Yeah. I only seen it a handful of times. Mm-hmm. The last one was probably in LaGrange, was my, which was my first staff job. And that was four years ago. Another problem with uh, kidneys, which causes issues, is kidney stones. And they occur where... Too much calcium is absorbed from foods that cause obstruction or dehydration. And it's just a waste product of the functioning of the kidney eventually just gets clotted into this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could also have different types of kidney stones. One could be the calcium deposits. Uh, the other one could be from a buildup of urea. If you are taking a lot of foods that, are, that have uric acid, such as dates, eggs, if you're consuming a lot of alcohol and that leads to dehydration, your uric acid levels will be high. Uh, some of those people, I remember family members that had them, it's like their joints are going to start hurting. Mm-hmm. So that's the buildup of uh, uric acid. So you could have a kidney stone from those two things. Normally, uh, it passes on its own, super damn painful. You're going to have flank pain. Uh, and it's going to pass through. But if it doesn't... It'll pass through. But I hope hopefully, pass through. hopefully a little rock <laughs> gets through the ureters there and doesn't get stuck. But if it does get stuck and you feel some pain, you might need to go get a stone removal. So they do, uh, one way they do it is they do shockwave lithotripsy. So they just send shockwaves to that kidney that break down this um, this calcium deposit, this kidney stone. And the other way they might use a cystoscopy and a uteroscopy. So one of the cameras, the cystoscopy looks for the stone 
and the other device, the utheroscopy, removes a stone or breaks it down to smaller pieces till it passes through the passage. Mm. Uh, some doctors will open up a stent uh, to open it up. A urologist will to make sure that uh, the ureter doesn't close. I'm not sure if that's because of a spasm issue mm -hmm. or is it because of the damage that was there you wanted to the stent for it to be in there for a few days to remain open. That is out of my scope of practice here. Yeah, I can't say so myself. I'm not sure <laughs> on that one. I didn't look into uh, to surgeries before this show. I haven't completed that. I haven't done that in a clinical field yet. Yeah, soon, soon to be with the way they pass and delegate tasks, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the other thing that might happen is if that operation fails, maybe the kidney stone is not in the ureter, it's in the kidney, it's too large to pass through. Uh, they might use something called a percutaneous nephrolithotomy. Mm -hmm. uh, you did, the surgeon is going to directly make an opening, otomy, right, into the kidney, and it's, they're going to be able to remove the stone or use a laser to break it down into smart pieces and extract that out of the kidney. Mm -hmm. Polycystic kidney disease is also something you might uh, might hear around uh, on the unit or even for yourself or some family, family members. It's kind of similar to when you think of polycystic ovarian syndrome where the ovaries have have different amount of cysts on them uh same concept here it's characterized by the formation of kidney cysts that enlarge over time and may cause serious kidney damage and even kidney failure Indivi individual cysts can be fairly common and usually harmless some symptoms may include back or flank pain increased abdominal size blood and urine and high blood pressure so if you probably look at my kidneys and mats one of us might have like a cyst here and there on our kidneys, which is going to be uh, completely benign. It's just those things that that that, that happen. Same way you might have cysts somewhere else in your body that not that that might not necessarily be cancerous. They're just there because they're just growths, uh, you could say. And it's, it's just kind of is what it is. They're not really harmful until they become either too big, uh, where they where they cause pressure on your kidneys or impede blood flow and circulation. In those kind of situations, you have to get those removed. And uh, of course, they could be cancer causing if they're, you know, if they look cancerous. But of course, we need a biopsy to get that uh, checked out. And of course, if they're fast growing, if your doctor could see a cyst but doesn't want to, you know, test it out because they think it's normal and it's growing exponentially over the next months, years of your life, that's probably a good time to get it checked out. Yeah. UTIs, urinary tract infections, could be another reason leading to kidney problems and kidney disease. And that's bacteria infections that. Are are going to cause an infection in any part of the urinary system. Usually it's in the urethra or usually in the bladder, but if it travels, travels up to the urethra and the kidneys, that could become an issue getting uh, nephritis and uh, other issues. Usually treat that with um, antibiotics. Rocephin is the most common one. They always We always get them from the ER and that way, then they switch up uh, then antibiotics. And it's always funny getting UTI grandma, especially when they're older, 80s you know as a night shift nurse they might be a little bit combative might need restraints or they could be super out of it just pleasantly confused and it's an easy shift so yeah, utis can be a hit or miss yeah i didn't know how frequent utis happen until i became a nurse because when i was growing up nobody really ever got a uti Maybe my mom got one here and there, if that, if I recall correctly or, or, or whatever. But maybe my grandma or, or somebody. But a hospital, it's like almost everybody has a UTI. Every other bed is like UTI on Rosafin, so we have an antibiotic for UTI. I'm not sure if it's because these tests are like super sensitive where people come positive with UTI and necessarily don't have one. It's just 
super sensitive and we just mark them down as as oh uti just to you know treat it because i feel like people's tolerance for i guess bacterial growth down there you, you could say or in, in that area has to be different some some of our bodies probably have more bacteria inside than than, than some others and it might not be like a universal test but it's probably it's, it's simple and quick to do though yeah suppose when i was younger i heard you're supposed to drink cranberry juice and mm-hmm. that's benefiting uti because it's decreasing the acid level could be just a myth i heard back in the day yeah. not sure well i think it's true because the women in, i mean i don't know the women in my family but <laughs> I, I don't know i, I feel like i heard you, that know, you know what too. you're trying to say i no, i don't know what i say i feel like i heard that somewhere too but i can't recall if it's like from my aunt my family or is it or is it some like w- women that told me that like i'm not sure but i know i've heard that as well the same thing that <laughs> maybe your grandma told me at the, at the hospital i told you you told me and yeah, yeah. we think that's truth and that's how false information starts yeah, let, let us know do, do y'all think that a cranberry juice prevents uh, utis or have y'all heard about that before i've heard that many times i feel like for sure let us know that's why man always drinks cranberry juice early signs of kidney disease you might develop poor appetite have some dry skin it might be very shiny like in the shin area frequent urination is one of them fatigue difficult concentration and puffy eyes so with the buildup of toxins if your kidneys aren't properly functioning you're going to have the buildup of toxins that causes the fatigue you're out of it lightheadedness whatever the case might be and some severe symptoms nausea vomiting that could be a sign of hyperkalemia changes in urine output fluid retention that's leading to edema in the feet the ankles the hands uh, and some pink dark urine which means hematuria so depending on where you are with those symptoms it could either be very severe or you might be a kidney disease patient already that missed a couple of treatments they're hyperkalemic they're completely fatigued and they need a stat dialysis and they come to the icu so you may be thinking hey with all these signs symptoms that you might be having that we just listed maybe you're thinking hey how do you find out if you have any kind of kidney disease or, or renal disease there's two main tests we do in a hospital one is the gfr which is the glomerular filtration rate a normal gfr is 60 or more that's in the normal range 60 plus if it's less than 60 you have some kind of kidney issues going on it could be the beginning of kidney disease or you could have uh, an aki an acute kidney injury something like that um, but if your gfr is 15 or less you're what we call in renal failure or, or kidney failure in other terms and that's when you have to really really change your lifestyles and most likely going to get put on dialysis with with either peritoneal dialysis or hemodialysis or um, even possibly CRT if you're really critically ill and um, you're in the ICU with us. But yeah, GFR is the main factor. Um, but I feel like in a hospital, a lot of times we, we look at uh, creatinine clearance a little bit more. Uh, I feel like creatinine clearance, um, it's just, just like that. There's two main tests. I feel like a lot of doctors prefer creatinine clearance. Creatinine is another lab value that we check for along with the GFR, uh, glomerular filtration rate. So normal range value is going to be 0.6 to 1.2. If you have one kidney, it might be 0.8 to 1.9. So just look out for that. And creatinine is a normal byproduct that we get from muscle wasting from the breakdown of our muscles that we filter out. As that increases, that means your kidney function is getting worse. There's also another lab value that we check for, and that was albumin that I mentioned, the protein in the urine. So as a scarring happens in the uh, glomerules, you start leaking out albumin, and we could detect that. The less 
albumin in the urine, the better. Sometimes that might happen from UTIs and amongst other things. So just look out for uh, the full clinical picture to see whether this is actually a kidney disease or it's something else. But if you're a normal uh, in a normal healthcare setting and a provider, you get that checked out. There's probably that's the issue kidney disease. Uh, and the other thing is, is the 24-hour urine collection. I've done it a handful of times as well, Same. where the doctor is going to assess all the urine in the past 24 hours and see what the albumin to creatinine ratio is. And if you are producing more than 30 milligrams over a gram of albumin, that is a sign of kidney disease over the past 24 hours. Mm-hmm. I always wondered about that because those basins are always left on a um, full of ice and you're always pouring stuff in there a nurse misses and forgets about it. It's always hard to collect those lab value mm-hmm. tests out of all of them. Mm-hmm. It's probably one of the hardest ones. It is. It, it for sure is. And it's like, it's like, you think it's something so simple, but it's just like, sometimes it gets overlooked, you know, because it's not the most stat test you do because you have 24 hours to collect all the year. And so it's like nothing super duper stamp horn. You got to do it now. But it's one of those things that it kind of just goes um, above our head sometimes. But um, it, it, is, it is what it is. Yeah. You know, I think I did it, I want to say, three or four times in my career where I had to, had to collect that. And how to stay healthy is to wrap everything up. So key factor here when it comes to kidney health is avoid high blood pressure. Funny because I went to get my blood pressure checked today and I slammed the coffee. Mm. I feel like I had heart palpitations, but I was really under 130. So I was yeah. good. good so, yeah. You're under 130? I was under 130. It was like 128 over is that, 79. Is that considered pre then? Pre-hypertensive? Learn how to change the, the data? Yeah, anything above 130, I believe. Mm-hmm. I would already be in a sure? stage already, one. That's thought that's 120 now. It's pre. Everything above 120. 120 to 129 is considered pre. normal. I think I, think, I think I decreased it. Okay, you can check. I'm curious. You might be right. Uh, you want to manage your blood sugar levels. As you know, sugar affects the nephrons. You want to reduce your salt intake, avoid NSAIDs, and consume a moderate protein consumption. Real quick. That's if you have already developed a kidney disease. You don't necessarily need to eat uh, 30 grams of protein a meal. And if you eat more than that, it's going to lead to kidney disease. I know that's a thing that I've heard in the past when I was into nutrition and i think that's just uh pseudo pseudo fact it's a myth pseudoscience got another one solved by like a couple nurses in the gang hell yeah so referring back to the blood pressure thing so prehypertension is defined as the systolic pressure from 120 to 139 millimeters of mercury 120 to 130 pre yeah that's silly but but I, but I because 120 used to be normal it used to be bro but, but i understand why they Times did that changed, man. yeah they did that because there's so many people that are pre-hypertensive not taken care of getting strokes getting mm-hmm. heart attacks i consider myself a healthy human other things you should do with a high bmi and um pre-hypertension yeah technically See, i'm bill that's why <laughs> that's the thing that's the thing like on paper if you look at someone's someone's chart you could it almost seems like you know they're 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 decent healthy but they could do it better but then you actually look at the whole person as like they present themselves you're just like yeah i mean they look different than what these labs say so they the holistic approach guys precision nutrition and pre- precision health is so important and that's why reductionism and the reductionist theory is such a bad idea that has been influenced in healthcare thinking it solves all the problems uh, reductionism, long story short, is just putting things all into a box and 
uh, putting all humans into one. So uh, bacteria is bad, infections are bad. We developed antibiotics and then we said, let's just kill everything. Bacteria is bad. That was reductionist thinking, thinking all bacteria is the same. Then we found out that it creates dysbiosis because it kills also the good bacteria. And hey, now we can have a reductionist approach antibiotics. Now we have to pick which antibiotics and whether they're good because we created super infections. Uh, that's one thing. The vaccines is another thing, another conversation. Uh, another day, another episode. Another, another episode if you st still are tuning in and listening to us. Uh, so things everyone should do for healthy kidneys is exercise, controlling your weight, follow a balanced diet, quit smoking if you are, uh, drink in moderation because it leads to dehydration, stay hydrated, monitor uh, cholesterol levels and get annual physicals. That's more for the older audience that could have uh, issues with uh, kidney function. Normally mm -hmm. as a, a young person, you are not gonna have this, but educate your family members with this episode if you find value in it. Uh, I think the youngest person that I've seen with needing a transplant because his kidney disease got so bad is like 41. Mm -hmm. So depending on bad, how bad your hypertension is and what uh, culture you are and genetics and et cetera. Yeah, it's it's like, it's the whole holistic being is that we are. It's everything effect, affects everything. So as you get a you get um, a shitty shuffle of the cards and you have these predispositions that you maybe were born with or you live with. But um, regardless, the world is beautiful and stuff just happens. And it's what it is. He's like, this is a kidney for you guys. Okay, that's closed <laughs> like that by saying the world is beautiful. You. I love it. That's what I'm saying, man. The world is beautiful. Can you can you say it's not? It is beautiful. I feel beautiful. If you listen to this episode after hours and are on YouTube or Spotify, I have a, I don't have any facial hair. <laughs> it's the first it episode I'm rolling in a couple of news without, a f without face hair in over three years. I, I this is rare. I had check them at the door. I wasn't sure who this is. It's going to take a screenshot. Yeah. I can't even let them watch R-rated YouTube videos anymore. <laughs> you know, one day when it when the pop-up comes up, are you 18 years old older? He's got to mark no. So if, the, if there was a webcam, my TV would say no. Yeah, it would say no. Present your picture ID. Yeah. Went 10 years in the past. All right, y'all. Happy Monday. Have an amazing and beautiful day. Take care.